This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I hope you're enjoying this holiday long weekend. I don't think the weather's cooperating quite as much as everybody would like, but you know what? There's so much to do. And today I've got a lot to talk about when we talk about real estate. I've got quite a few guests joining me and uh, let me kind of give you the rundown before uh, before I dive into what's going on in the market this week. A uh, little bit later on in the hour, I've got Tom Story from Royal Page joining me. We're going to be talking about millennials. He's going to tell us what are they looking for? What are they trying to achieve? And is there property out there for you to buy if you're a millennial that is actually affordable that's right affordable and that's one of those uh, key words that we keep talking about in this current real estate market i've got tim hudak joining me for he is the ceo of the ontario real estate association not sure if you've uh, heard uh, a little bit of the stuff in the wind this week where the toronto real estate board and the ontario real estate association haven't been seeing quite eye to eye on some of the approach that some of these uh, some of these groups are taking and uh, tim's also going to enlighten us a little bit about what's going on when they legalize marijuana that's right if you own an investment property and let's say your tenant decides that they want to use it because it's legalized do you have any rights how about now but you can always you know bring in the authorities if it's being done illegally and so we're gonna have a quick chat about that because it's important that people know that the up-and-coming situation that they're going to be facing with this and um, shortly I'm gonna have David Fleming he is from Bosley real estate joining me um, I'm gonna ask his opinion on the whole controversy that's going on in the Toronto real estate board and the Ontario Real Estate Association, and we, we we need to we need to figure out a few things here, folks. Um, you know who who's doing what, and why are these letters uh, filing around fast and furious? So we'll talk about that in a little while. But let's talk about what's going on in the real market. You know, it's interesting because. Right now, the Bank of Canada had released a report saying, oh yeah, we're going to bounce back. The real question and the big question mark should be when? When does the Bank of Canada think that the market is going to rebound? First and foremost, if we take a look at any time a market has decreased, they certainly didn't have the government with their foot on your throat as both a seller and a buyer. And so if we take a look back into the 80s, late 80s, early 90s there, where the market got squashed, obviously big adjustment, almost 35% reduction in price on the average. But what ended up happening was it took about seven years for it to recover. If we uh, fast forward to around 2008, 2009, fortunately in Canada, we really just felt more of a ripple effect. But down in the US, it took quite a few years for them to rebound from their market adjustment or crash. And remember, it wasn't just real estate. It was a lot of the economics in the world that were affected. But now, here we go. All we hear about is how great the economy is doing. You know, right now they're saying Canada, hey, listen, we're forging ahead. Yep, we're going to start raising interest rates. Things are going well. And we hear about south of the border, Donald Trump. He's going on about how great he is doing. Stock market's at a high. Everything's going great. Unemployment's down. So why not? So why shouldn't real estate be strong right now? Well, of course, everybody knows that the provincial government decided to, well, I guess, put a stop to a few things last year at this time. And then at the beginning of this year, the stress test. So can the Bank of Canada actually call a rebound in the marketplace anytime soon? Well, I had a bunch of real estate experts that I had a chat with, and the majority of them, the consensus is that no. 
we could look at a market stabilizing. And stabilization means that we're not going to see too many more year-over-year uh, -year months that end up going down. But does it mean that we're going to get the increase? Is the volume going to go up? And the truth is, probably not for a while. Why? Because the stress test is making it harder and harder for people, first and foremost, to get that mortgage. Every time the bank rates go up, that stress test gets higher. You know, if you could lock in a five-year rate right now, forget about the stress test. By the time you come around to renew that mortgage five years from now, you've probably paid off 15 to 20% of the outstanding mortgage amount, which means you're renewing at a much lower amount and if the rate goes up, you'd still afford it. And this is the thing. I don't know what sliding rule these folks are using, but they're making it difficult, probably more so than necessary. And I get it. Everybody wants to be big brother watching out for you. But sooner or later, they've got to get out of the way. And depending on what happens in June with this provincial election, you know what? This uh, The market could stay down for a while if they take the foot off your throat, then maybe, just maybe, we'll start to see a little bit of a bounce back. Now, for a lot of buyers right now, I know everybody's sitting there saying, no, no, the market's got to go down because it's not affordable. Folks, that's not the problem. The problem is inventory, and it always has been inventory. There's, right now, the government is taxing the developers to death. The, the, the development charges are ridiculous. So when we talk about brand new construction, how do we keep up with the demand? The, the truth is the population of Ontario and Canada continues to grow. But 100,000 people coming into the GTA market this year alone, 100,000 new people. Well, last year, the number of transactions was 113,000 in the greater Toronto area. And we've got 100,000 people now moving into that exact marketplace. How do you keep up? Well, you can't keep telling us that we got to reduce the actual cost of the existing inventory. What you need to do is build more affordable inventory. And that's the one thing that I think is being missed by this current existing government as well as the federal government because they're not really thinking smart. They need to turn around and encourage the development, encourage the builders, give them some breaks so they can bring affordable inventory that is means that it's not previously owned into the marketplace. That's right, folks. That's only one big solution. Now, not all of you will agree with this. And some people are sitting there saying, hey, listen, the market itself, you know, is is got to tell itself. Well, let markets adjust all by themselves and we'd be in a lot better shape. We would have seen the uh, uh, the foot come off the gas last last spring as it did in Vancouver the year before. Um, so anyways, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we're going to be talking about the Treb and Aria. I would say disagreement would be one of the areas I would look at it. And uh, let's talk about some of the other things that are going on in this current existing marketplace. You know, um, right now they're saying it's a good time for buyers to buy. I would have to tell you that maybe you you need to wait and it's not a good time for sellers because if you want to maximize your actual price this is not the time to do it if you do not have to sell your house I would say wait okay I am telling you flat out if you don't if you had thought that you're gonna sell it today I would tell you to wait for the next 12 to 18 months the market will have a natural increase perhaps two to five percent year over year but what we need to do is we need to turn around and let the people that have to sell, sell, reduce the amount of inventory in, so that will help the prices rebound. Now, again, buyers are sitting there saying, yeah, but hang on, 
uh, we, we want to have more affordability. Well, here's the thing. If somebody's got to sell, you're finding affordability right now because a lot of people know that they're going to lose in comparison to the market high in May 2017. So there are some affordable options out there, folks, but ultimately in the end, I would say if you do not have to sell, wait it out. 12 months and you might see the market increasing somewhat this time next year. And if we're talking numbers in today's marketplace, probably around five, maybe 8% maximum. We won't get back to 2018 prices at least for 18 to 24 months. And that's only if the government changes their approach. And we'll wait and see how that ends up playing out. Hey, listen, a good, kind of a good feeling story this week that I was uh, quite surprised. One of our listeners sent it over to me and it said, for sellers of this semi-detached home, a deserving family trumps price. And I thought that this was very interesting. So here's the thing. There's a property that's going to come up on the market. It's over on Glen Davis uh, Crescent near uh, Kingston Road and Woodbine Avenue. And it was previously owned by an elderly gentleman who has passed away. And the family's putting the market up for sale. And they're actually saying we're not, you know, they're putting up at a market price, of course. But what they're saying is they want it to go to a young family with the opportunity to become part of the community and they're actually accepting letters to that effect they would like people to tell them about their family and why they want to move into the neighborhood and that's because the the previous owner had spent the last 25 years living there and really enjoyed the community now i find this to be very interesting and one of the reasons why is i think that it's a very nice warm human approach to it of course what if you have two excellent letters and one person surpasses in the price you know what there's nothing wrong with trying to maximize the price but the idea of getting families to replace families in neighborhoods i think is wonderful and you know what they're probably looking for somebody that is not going to be an investor and this is a very positive thing so i think uh, i think it's a kind of that good you know that feel good story and thank you so much uh to actually two of our listeners that uh, sent it over to me and said hey todd this is kind of a neat thing by the way if you do uh, have any questions for me you can reach me todd at the simpleinvestor.com and remember uh we've got uh we've got all sorts of things going on here at the simple investor we've got some stuff coming up uh in the next little while um, a couple of new developments that we're going to be talking about, as well as some new uh, programs and some pretty exciting stuff. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com if you need, and you can uh, find out more about what we've got in the near future. A um, couple other things right now. Uh, the uh, some of these speculators, I got to tell you, they're getting caught with their pants down. Uh, one of the one gentleman in Toronto was buying uh, buying up some properties, hoping that they'd go up. Has now lost uh, three properties, left them kind of derelict. The city's coming in saying, "Hey, wait a minute, uh, we're going to put work orders against you." So, folks, this is not a speculative market. Unless you have a concrete plan on what you're going to do with that property, please don't venture into it because at this stage, we've got a fluctuation. We don't know if we're on bottom yet, you know, and if there's an adjustment, you know, right now, even some of the, some of the experts out there are saying, you know, we could easily go down another 20, 30%. I highly doubt it, but at the end of the game, at the end of the day, we don't want you to risk your financial future. So keep that in mind. If you're going to buy, commit long-term. If you're going to be a landlord, get an education, know what you're doing. And I think it's really important that uh, people don't think about speculating in a marketplace like this. Coming up after the break, I've got David Fleming joining me from Bosley Real Estate. 
Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. A lot of stuff in the news this week, of course. You and I can talk a little bit about the market, but one of the things that we've seen was a a volley of words between the Toronto Real Estate Board and the Ontario Real Estate Association. And uh, in in, in essence, I think it was, you know, um, them trying to figure out who talks to whom. And maybe you can uh, enlighten our, our listeners a little bit about what's going on. Sure, happy to. I mean, I think both sides right now are trying to do damage control and say all the right things. I mean, in my opinion, this is, um, you know, the Toronto Real Estate Board represents 50,000 agents and Orea represents 70,000. So you've got a massive overlap right there. Now, the issue at hand, and this is my opinion, is that Orea for the longest time was in charge of education. They are no longer in charge of education, so they are sort of rebranding themselves lobbyists. Now, that's great if the 70,000 members can agree on what to lobby. Um, Unfortunately, it looks like they decided to put up uh, advertisements for certain political candidates, which is a very dicey proposition if, you know, the membership doesn't agree on that. So, you know, Orea didn't, uh, they didn't ask us, we didn't vote on it. But by the same token, the Toronto Real Estate Board, in their battles with the Competition Bureau, they haven't really asked us what we want. So these are two groups that are working on behalf of the membership. And I think what happened here is a bit of a misunderstanding in that Orea wants this, uh, you know, keep home ownership dream alive. And that's great if you explain that this is about perhaps uh, the government not taking it out on home buyers, re- reducing land transfer tax, um, maybe giving some tax breaks. Uh, from Treb's viewpoint, it could be maybe fanning the flames of an overheated market. And I think that maybe had they just kind of discussed what the objective was, we wouldn't have been in this situation. Yeah. See, part of part of my take on that, uh, of course, you know, it's it's great that we want to encourage home ownership. Normally, we're talking about first time home buyers when we're referring to this. But you know, my biggest concern in watching the market for years, you know, I've been in a market where I saw the downturn, you know, massively back in the late '80s. One of the things, though, at this stage that we are we're looking at is that we have to be careful that we don't pull the rug out from the existing home ownership and hurt their asset values too much, because you know we've already had. I would say decent adjustment year over year. If you remember, you know, last yeah. year, April, May, you know, the, the market, yes, it was out of hand. But those people, anybody that had been purchased or closed in that time period, you know, they, they're, they're, they're struggling. They lost, they lost some equity. And so yeah. our biggest thing, I think, of course, would be somebody, if you're going to lobby for something, it perhaps should be, you know, getting the government to get in line to make it easier for developers to increase inventory, you know, allowing, you know, even some of the government land and I'm not talking necessarily about green space I'm talking about you know they they own a boatload of land why not you know work with developers to get some of this stuff going yeah I totally agree and I mean I think that the lack of inventory and some people are listening and they're laughing and they're saying oh you know look at all the cranes in the sky in downtown we have so much uh, inventory uh, I'm telling you there is not enough to satisfy the demand so if at the municipal level the city was able to work faster to greenlight projects, um, you know, I have clients from Europe that say things like, you know, in England, you can take a house and divide it into four units. Why can't we do that here? Why not building uh, laneway housing? So there's a lot of ways to increase inventory, as you said, that don't necessarily uh, involve tearing down the, the rainforest, so to speak, which is the green belt. But I, I think that that's, um, that's almost like a backburner topic at this point. I think that in terms of um, to your point, what happened last year with 
you know, the government, I don't want to say they were trying to crash the market, but um, that was very, very political, if you remember. That was a Liberal Party with a very low approval rating that was trying to show that they were doing something. And they did, and they implemented policies, but even more so just standing in front of the microphone and making it known that we are trying to lower the price of real estate. That enacted a huge drop-off in April, May, and June. The market did come back last fall. It's been coming back these at once that are going to remove existing equity from homeowners. As much as you want to make homeownership affordable, I think that it involves increasing inventory. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what's going to make it more affordable. Yeah, no, I agree. And and one of the things, of course, was the federal government, in, in, you know, implementing in January the stress test. And that's, you know, if if they could turn around and pr- it would be better for them to take a look at the borrowers themselves as an entity and say, listen, you know what, you you've been buying real estate, you've owned real estate for fifteen years, you're coming up with twenty percent down or more. You know, uh, putting these people through a stress test, I, I I think it's irresponsible of the government to paint everybody with the same brush. And at this point. You know, you can't even change lenders in fear of going into another stress test. This doesn't make sense at all for a policy. No, to me, it reeks of, uh, you know, the nanny state. It's, it's This is mom and dad saying, well, what if this happens? And I understand it's a responsible thing to do, but, you know, you, you can't remove risk from a market. So I don't want to sound like a, a nationalist. I know that's a, a bad word these days. But, I mean, if you really wanted to do something about this market, you can take foreign ownership away. Some countries, you can't have foreign ownership at all. I'm not advocating for that. But what I am saying is this 15% foreign buyer's tax is is a ruse. It's a sham. They're still doing it. They're still finding a way to buy. And I can tell you that every time I have a listing, I work with other agents that are representing money from overseas. They're not paying land, uh, the sorry, not land transfer tax. They're not paying the uh, foreign buyer's tax. They can find a way around it. They did not get to where they are with all that money by writing a lot of checks. So if the government is going to penalize hardworking Canadians buying real estate with after-tax dollars by implementing stress tests, I think that maybe they should look at people that are buying in cash who weren't affected by the stress test. Um, There, if you take away a little bit of the demand, as we said earlier about increasing supply, you can also take away demand to try to bring home prices uh, back to a healthy medium. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I had mentioned a little bit earlier uh, on my show was the fact that I think that if you do not have to move right now, you know, maybe it was a whim, uh, kind of a whim last year, you were thinking about it because the market was high. You know, I'm telling people, you know, listen, stay put for a little while. Let let the market, you know, start gaining a little bit of steam. You know, let's, if we keep a little bit of inventory off right now, we'll stop seeing the decline as much and maybe just let it come back to kind of a, a from a price perspective, you know, let people turn around, engage the fact that they can start, you know, doing well on their exit? Because I think that's yep. one of the one of the biggest concerns that people have right now. Yeah, and I think it really depends on, you know, if, if you're looking to sell and cash out and rent or a downsize, those people are still doing fine. It's the upsizers right now um, that have to make that decision because ultimately, you know, the, the numbers floating around, the Toronto uh, average home price is down, I think, 12.4%. But Toronto, city of Toronto, is only down 6.6. So you really got to dig into those numbers. And if you look at condos, um, they're actually up 4%. So think about that. City of Toronto condos are up 4% when the market average is down 12.4. It really depends on where you are and what price point, because certain price points right now are still on fire, and other price points are just sitting. So uh, it really, really depends on who you are and what moves you're looking to make. Excellent. Well, listen, David, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. If our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to reach you? You can read my blog Monday, Wednesday, Friday, torontorealtyblog.com, and you can find my contact information there as well. Excellent. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for having me. Excellent. Folks, that was David Fleming, and he's from Bosley Real Estate. Hey, listen, up after the break, I've got Mr. Tim Hudak joining me, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So my next guest is uh, definitely no stranger to the News Talk family here. Um, it is Mr. Tim Hudak. He is the CEO of Aria. He's been a frequent guest here over the years at Simply Real Estate and always a pleasure to have him on the show. And Tim, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on the show, Todd. You know, it was fun. You know, I, you and I talked last week on your show. It, it seems like real estate is so encompassing nowadays. You know, it, it just, it, everybody's talking about it. And it's not just one thing. It, it, it can be another. And uh, this, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on in the news with Aria nowadays. And uh, maybe you can help shed a little bit of light on, you know, what direction the Ontario Real Estate Association is now taking. Yeah, look, I think you framed that question really well, Todd, because uh, you really can't go to a, a, a spring barbecue or you know, party at your neighbor's house where people don't turn to the topic of real estate, you know, probably after the first beer. And <laughs> it's such an important part of, of our lives, right? I mean, the value of it's right where you raise the family, part of their, you know, Canadian culture. We actually have a higher home ownership level in Ontario than they do in the States, right? So this is a, an important part of our structure it changes people it makes you more interested in the community so everybody likes talking about it so what is aria doing well our goal is to be the most impactful advocacy association in ontario we want to have high impact so governments come to us for advice that they implement programs that are going to help spur a new generation of home ownership or millennials for example and you know quite frankly todd i'll be very frank i've been in politics for 21 years to try to stop government from doing stupid things that will hurt the market and hurt home ownership. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point, Tim. And and one of the things, of course, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to run the bus over any current politicians out there, obviously. But one thing that uh, we, we are a little bit concerned of in the industry, of course, is then if a market declines, the effect on the baby boomers. Because again, these are the people that have had home ownership for a long time, you know, taking care of their homes, let their asset appreciate at this point. You know, it, it's a balancing act. And, you know, for, for yourself, I don't know, you know, what your take is, how, how you keep that balancing act. Because, you know, we do hear a lot of, you know, the existing government talking, you know, millennial, millennial, millennial. Um, you know, we know that inventory's a little bit tight still, obviously, in Ontario. But, you know, on, on, on the other side of the coin, of course, is the fact that we don't want to hurt our, our baby boomer owners and, and have their asset drop too drastically in value, obviously, to make home ownership more affordable. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one of my theories is that, uh, you know, one of the big reasons behind the, the rise of, uh, of Donald Trump and the populist policies in the States was the crash of the housing market uh, in the U.S. in 2008, 2009, where people lost their homes or value plummeted. And when that's the biggest asset you have and where you raise your kids, of course you're sensitive about that. So our advice to government is always to make sure that policies are focused fundamentally on having a healthy robust real estate market. So what does that mean? Well, that our savings for down the road are going to continue to increase in value. But at the same time, our kids are going to have a chance, a fair shot of getting into the market in the first place. And you nailed it there, Todd, whether I'm getting advice from the Toronto Real Estate Board, the Simcoe Board, or in Ottawa, like every part of the province that I visit, 
they all tell me the big issue is inventory. Not enough homes in the marketplace to upgrade, and particularly not enough starter homes for millennials that did everything right, they just can't get in the market. You know, interesting point there, Tim, because when we talk about starter homes, you know, a lot of times people believe that that means that, you know, the current existing inventory must come in less expensive, let's say, than it was a year or two ago. But if we were able to have some kind of provincial encouragement to builders, developers, you know, be having the ability to create more product as opposed to just, you know, reducing the price of existing inventory. And that that's that's the concern I I think that so many people have is let's not take the existing inventory and drop its value how about we just bring in new inventory with the encouragement with partnership because right now I think that's the biggest part that's lacking in the overall Ontario you know real estate landscape yeah exactly so you know to the credit the current government did some good things we went to them directly we encouraged them to increase the land transfer tax rebate for first-time home buyers they did double it I mean, that is helpful. In the bigger cities, you know, it's a higher cost, so it's a step along the way. Escalating prices we saw in 2017, it seemed like every level of government decided to pile on, and instead of increasing supply, tried to curtail demand. So that's like the stress test, it's the foreign buyer's tax, a higher land transfer tax in Toronto. And the cumulative impact has meant that they've caused, um, you know, a slowdown in the market, and they've made it actually harder for people to get in or to upgrade. So what do we do about it? Well, it's actually the perfect time in 2018. You've got a provincial election happening now. You've got a municipal election in the fall. So when I mentioned high-impact advocacy as, as a core part of our vision at ARIA, we put out a campaign called Keep the Dream Alive and encourage your listeners to go to keepthedreamalive.ca, which enables them to go directly to the people in their riding of all the parties and say, hey, what are you going to do about my millennial daughter? She got her degree. She's got a good job but she's stuck in our basement in her shoebox rental. Yeah. Now, of course, when, when you mention, you know, there's been obviously a lot of stuff in the news with the, I guess, disagreement or maybe misinterpretation of certain things with the Toronto Real Estate Board and the uh, Ontario Real Estate Association when you talk about that campaign. And I think, you know, they're they're trying to imply or perhaps this was, you know, you know, for lack of better words, you know, they're, they're saying that you're the only group that is really coming in and trying to tell everybody how to do things. But in, in actual fact, I don't think that was your intention. Um, is there any kind of response just to kind of put that thing to bed? Oh, yeah. I mean, we work very closely and, and get solid advice from the Toronto Real Estate Board and other boards. They've got the on-the-ground data. They know what's happening in every neighborhood. And then we can take that and package it and go to the premier or the leaders of the parties and say, here are the solutions. I mean, what are the solutions we're talking about? Number one, you know, helping out with the when you're trying to get in the market with a high level of taxes you face or getting a deposit put together, right, for a down payment. And there's a number of problems in states that have ideas about that, from eliminating the land transfer tax or lowering it further for first-time homebuyers to helping getting that down payment. Increasing supply, particularly around starter homes, and more missing middle housing, which can help people like my parents' generation who have been in the family home with more bedrooms than they use now, you know, stay close to the grandkids but free up that family home. Yeah. And sure, Todd, like, when you represent 38 different boards across the province, not everybody's going to agree with all the details, but we are united in that a core role for us as people that are volunteering to advance the success of realtors, we also got to fight for homeowners to make sure that that millennial generation, the new Canadians, or that family had the kid want to upgrade, that they've got a fair shot at a home to do so. 
Yeah. No, and, and I agree with you there, Tim. And one of the things, of course, we want to avoid is also making it, you know, uh, cost ineffectively for the people that are exiting. So in other words, drop their price just so they can come out of the property. Probably not the smartest thing to do. Again, the government implementing the, the stress test is not making it any easier. And hopefully, you know, that will be looked upon with maybe some some form of ability to, to vary it or adjust it over time. Because if they stay like that, I think it's going to make it tougher and tougher. Um, one thing that's coming up, of course, uh, was the federal commitment to legalizing marijuana. This is going to be a tough one. When people own investment properties or they live next door, you know, the legalization of this as well as the ability that people will have to be able to grow marijuana in their actual properties, you know, this is going to be a tough thing for realtors because, you know, that was one of those things that, you know, faced, you know, for the last 20 years, grow ops were really tough. Do you think this is going to create a big problem? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's why we went out way in advance of this, talked to our realtor members and came up with a plan, advice for government uh, on the legalization. I, I, you know, first and foremost, we got to question whether you want to have plants in your house at all. Should, should that be a right? I mean, we're not talking, Todd, about a few daisies, right, and a little planter on the kitchen table. These are, are massive plants that smell and cause considerable damage because of the humidity, and then that can seep into the walls and cause problems for the next one, right, the next homeowner. Sure. So we put a number of ideas on the table around that to say, no to that, particularly in rental units or in multi-residential areas. And then secondly, to make sure we have some kind of registry, that if a place was a grow-up, that it can't go back onto the market unless it's been fully remediated, home inspected, so that the next family has that information, they know that the place is cleaned up before they put an offer on the table. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think people have to be wary of it. And again, what do you deem to be a grow-up? Will four plants give you the designation of being a grow-up? Or is it going? Is there going to be a certain number? And I think that that's the one that we're going to have to look for in the future. Yeah. And, and look, you, you work with the experts in the field from public health. You work with police who also have concerns about this. You know, our president, David Reed, did an outstanding job. The media across the province did a press conference at Queen's Park handed over some really thoughtful advice from realtors on behalf of homeowners and those that want to be homeowners to government. We'll see what happens after the election. We'll follow it up with the, uh, the premier uh, of the day, you know, after June the 7th. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Tim, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and I look forward to talking to you in the near future to see how everything unfolds. Yeah, thanks, Todd. You have a great weekend. Excellent. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Mr. Tim Hudak. He is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And coming up after the break, Tom's story from Royal LePage. And we're going to talk about millennials. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. The next guest um, is a real estate specialist, and he is uh, with Royal LePage and his Tom story. One of the reasons why we've reached out to Tom is because we want to talk about millennials. That's right. And we're not here to browbeat them. We're here to find out, really get to the bottom of, of what do they need, are they getting it, and what's blocking them. And Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I think it's a very interesting discussion because there's two trains of thought with the millennials. There's some saying, hey, how can we help them out? And I am one of them, so I understand that. And there's the other train of thought saying, you know, let them figure it out on their own. They're this privileged generation. So I think uh, 
there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, no, I agree. And and so one of the one of the things I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with, of course, is the upcoming election. And you know they've been weighing in, saying one of the big topics for millennials today on who they're gonna vote for is who's going to create either affordability or more inventory. Yep. We've been we've been watching some of the the candidates now banter back and forth, saying, "Hey, listen, we're going to open up some green space." And then in the next breath, we've got one of the candidates, the current reigning candidate. Um, yep. You know, she's saying, "Oh no, I'm going to increase the green space," which in a lot of people's minds means that we're we're going to struggle even more to find places to build. What's your take on this, Tom? Because, you know, one of, one of, one of my, my real questions to millennials is, you know, how close do you want to live to this city? I know we talk about affordability all the time, but how, yeah. how, you know, how important is it for that accessibility? So what I'm seeing in my business, because I do deal with a lot of these millennials trying to enter the market, um, they're willing to make sacrifices in terms of the size that they live in, and they're really kind of hanging on to that dream of living in the city. Um, the first thing that everyone says when I meet with them is, okay, I want to be close to work. I want to be near transit. It's, it's the lifestyle that they're currently looking for at this age of their life because a lot of them don't have kids yet. They're getting really serious with their jobs. So they're kind of doing everything they can to hold on to that dream of living within the city. Um, what's unfortunate is basically with the intervention, because all the government's done to this point is try to curb demand instead of figuring out new ways to bring supply to the market. Um, and when they've done that, whether you look at the off-sea or you look at the rate hikes or the fair housing from last year, what it really does is just put downward pressure where the, these first-time buyers, what they can really afford, for the most part, at least if you're buying in you know, the core of Toronto, is going to be a condominium-type property. And a lot of people that were kind of trending into the semi-detached or detached housing market, well, when, they, when their purchasing power has decreased and the rates have got higher, they're getting pushed down into the segment. So... It's, it's tough for these millennials trying to get into the market because it's extremely competitive. The inventory level for the kind of properties that they can afford is extremely low. And, I mean, I'm seeing still in the core of the city, you're getting 5, 10, 15 offers on what, what many would say is an affordable option. So I think with the election coming up, it's extremely important to these people in the getting into the market, this millennial type, because it's going to affect where they can live. And I think more supply is the big thing we've been hoping for, but uh, I guess time will tell. Tom, when, when we talk about, you know, what kind of properties the millennials are truly targeting, you know, you, you talk a lot about affordability, but is there, are there the needs and the wants? I mean, you know, obviously uh, there is inventory out there. Some of it's a little bit more aged, maybe not right on, you know, some of the transit systems. Are, yep. these, are these not as attractive, obviously, to this demographic of buyer? Because, again, you know, when we talk about affordability, some of the older buildings are more affordable, but yet yeah. they don't have... They don't have what it seems the wants you know it may have the need but it doesn't have the wants yeah you make a really good point i think what it comes down to too is you know i can uh, a a lot of the clients that i have you're right they want something newer um because it's shiny and it's nice and you know even though the space is smaller it's located where they want it the problem is with the older buildings is that i find that with my clients they're very focused on the, the maintenance fee as well right so if we're talking about a condo the older condos, yes, you get more space, but you're also paying a premium on that space in your monthly condo fees, and that kind of adds up onto what their carrying costs are going to be. So 
you know, it, it's, I think it's the point of their life they're at, too, where, like, a lot of these people, it's, it's, their work is very important to them. They want to be close to the lifestyle and the action of what's happening in the city, where they're kind of holding on for dear life here, where they don't necessarily want, they could, they could afford to buy a house out in the suburbs, but they're choosing the lifestyle they currently have as long as they can, because I think, you know, when they get to the point when they realize that, you know, it's time to have a kid and they've, they've got the dog and things like that, I think their mindsets will change. Um, but from at least what I'm seeing in my business, they're really holding on to getting that newer property close to work, close to their friends, close to the grocery store. That seems to be very important to them. Yeah. So if we go back to what the government's been implementing right now, you know, development charges, they're through the roof. 22% of the actual sale price is now designated for development charges. And they're yep. looking at increasing that over the next couple of years. So when we talk about some of your your, your newly built condos, you know, and, and with some of them kind of falling off out of the market because they just can't meet, you know, the needs, yep. um, you know, is this is this not going to put more of a, more of a, you know, a damper on people trying to buy i mean at this point it's jacking the prices up to the point where you know soon condominiums are not going to be affordable but these yep. development charges some of them are outrageous and so is this is this not going to put pressure on the millennial buyer it absolutely will because when if they do increase the charges like they've been talking about and they're already fairly high you know that cost is just going to be passed along to the purchaser so it's going to be reflected in the purchasing price because the way that the developers do it is you can go in and you can buy a new construction unit and they'll tell you that they're going to cap your fee at a certain amount. So, you know, one bed, they cap it at 7,500, two beds, 10,000 and three beds, the, you know, 12,500. That's typically what happens. And the reason why we've actually seen, uh, you know, I know there's been a lot in the news lately of these condominium projects being canceled. Um, and that's because they were selling at a price per square foot that was so low two years ago that they just couldn't afford to build it, build it at what they sold at. So, to answer the question, I think, yeah, absolutely. And, and what it's going to do, because condos right now, the reason why they're the segment of the market, and they've actually already gone above, the numbers came out this morning, the average condo in the 416 area of Toronto was $601,000. So that's actually above the peak from last year when fair housing was announced, where the other property types haven't quite caught up. What, what I think we need to really look at is the price gap. So your average condo we know as of today, at least in the 416, was 600000 but your average detached house was still 1.35, and your average semi was about just over about a million dollars. So that price gap is still fairly large. If they continue to move at this pace and the freehold properties don't move as quickly, there will become a point where people are saying, why am I buying a condo? I want to buy that townhouse, or I want to buy that semi-detached home. And I think if these development fees continue to rise at the rate that it looks like they're going to, it's going to take a lot of people out of that market and saving up to get into that freehold property. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Now, I, and I'm glad you, you were able to give our listeners to some of the stats. So the big thing is, is that the actual detached market year over year is down 14.5% in yeah. dollar value, but condominiums yeah. have gone up about 3.5%. Yep. But the biggest the biggest thing is that when you take a look at a six hundred thousand dollar condominium right now, one hundred and forty thousand dollars of that is now going to development charges, and so you know we, we we keep hearing the government talking about fair housing and they want to make things mm -hmm. affordable, but yet now they they are taxing the the builder developer more and more. Um, 
you know, it's not that I'm trying to advocate to to change the government, even though I am. Um, <laughs> one of, one of the things my concern is is that you know what what the current government is doing is misrepresenting why you know some of these prices are going up the way they are. Because quite frankly, if a builder gets slammed with some extra levies, you know, between the time of when he's done the pre-sales to the time yep. where they're going to start building, all of a sudden they look at it. There's a couple of developers. Just to give you an example. Um, mm -hmm. Their their costs went up between four and ten million dollars in yep. a two-year period from the time they launched it to the time that they would actually be able to dig and at this point they said no not a chance that's that's a huge huge difference in a price point and it, and they're passing it on to to the Millennials now by saying hey listen you want to buy a condominium we're gonna keep going with our levies any answers for this you know what? it's tough and because the one thing we have to watch is that it's it's the condos that were selling in 2016 pre-sale that haven't started construction yet. I think there's about 50 of them. Uh, there's, there's not going to be some big epidemic, but there will be a few more cancellations because you're right. The fees have gone up and just the, the cost of building just on the construction side has gone up as well. So we will see this happening. I think for the millennials, the best advice that I can give is, you know, I have a lot of clients that will come to me and they want to save up to buy their perfect house, right? And, and as we know, what a perfect house would maybe cost in Toronto is, is that million-dollar threshold. And even though I know, yeah, so 14% prices are down from last year, but we're just comparing to the peak of the market where things were absolutely crazy last year. Historically, if you, if you look over the last three years, overall prices are still up about 30%. So we're on average. We just had that little roller coaster that, that kind of changes the way that we look at the numbers. But to go back to what I was saying, when we look at the millennials, it's hard to save up at the same rate that the market has been moving. So, you know, you save up a certain amount every year, but the market's moved and, it, and you're getting kind of shut out if you don't get in. What I've, you know, the advice that I've been giving and that I've actually done myself is if you can get in, even with a property that you might not love, but you can get into the market with a lower price condominium property, at least based on where mortgage rates are at right now, 50% 50, 50 of that payment you're putting in your pocket because it's going to your equity. Um, and then you're building equity and you're saving up and your your money is not going to rent. So you actually get to keep half of it. And then in two years, you get to trade up to that next property. And then, you know, as you go from that, you trade up again and then you eventually get to the house. But if you sit on the sidelines and wait because you think, you know, housing prices are going to crash, I, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, even if they went down a certain percentage, it's still going to be unaffordable for many buyers. So. To work your way up that property ladder, I think that's the best advice that I can give because sitting on the sidelines um, has not really helped anybody anybody out. No, and I agree. Listen, that's some great advice for our listeners that they actually are building equity and sometimes they can do repairs and, and improve the property a little. So, uh, Tom, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best uh, way to reach you? Yeah, sure. So my uh, website would be storyteam.ca. Uh, you can check me out there or on Instagram. We are the story team and uh, we post frequently with lots of videos and uh, useful information that we find uh, our clients think is valuable. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks for joining me today, uh, Tom. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Folks, that was Tom Story from Royal LePage. So I'd like to thank Tom Story for joining me and kind of bringing us up to date on the millennials. Uh, earlier, Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Always great to have Tim on the show. And David Fleming. And listen, didn't pull any punches. And I like that. I like somebody that, you know, knows what they know and are not afraid to say it. He's from Bosley Real Estate. Always a pleasure to have guests like him on. 
Uh, of course, I want to thank Ian and Andre for uh, making it simple for me this week, as they normally do. And I want to thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure. And hey, listen, folks, make sure you enjoy this long weekend, even if the weather's not that great. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.